me just give a little bit of background information. I know for those, uh, many of you, or probably the majority of you, that, um, Lisa and I are new to you, but um, we're from Colorado Springs, Colorado. In fact, our offices are about a mile and a half from Andrew's building. And so um, we did quite a bit of traveling, my wife and I. Lisa, she's at the back, if, as the pastor mentioned earlier. And so, um, but we average being home about two months out of the year, coming on 10 years now. So we did quite a bit of traveling all around the United States. We've been in every state but a couple, and then uh, overseas. We've been in 28 nations so far, and even now more nations are opening up to us. So very much coming, coming to England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. We had an Irish prophet speak over us about, um, oh my, I don't know, maybe about 18 years ago or so. But he said, come, come to England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Come and claim your inheritance was part of the prophetic word. So every time we come, it's just powerful what we see God do. You know, when you go where he wants you to go, I believe that um, the purposes of the Lord will be accomplished. Praise God. And so in ministry, we, we see quite a bit. Of course, I flow a lot in the area of healing and teach along these lines. And so I'm different than a healing evangelist in the sense that I'm a teacher. And so it's very strong in my heart as a minister and as a teacher to impart practical truths into the body of Christ because I believe Jesus wants to work through every single one of us. But if our hearts are not equipped with understanding then I also believe that we don't realize sometimes just how much we limit the Lord working through us. And so, under, have an understanding in your heart and to a place that is practical. In other words, going through the process where the knowledge of God's Word becomes understanding of your heart so that that truth can be practically applied to the place that you get results. I believe that's important. You see, when I pray for people, I like something to happen. And so I've got a lot of confidence administering to people. I've had meetings in the area of healing where every single person I've prayed for has been healed. In other words, there's been a physical change. And um, so when someone has a problem, and I can give quite a number of examples, even, even on this trip, I'll, I'll just share one that just happened here just, um, just a number of uh, days ago. But um, it was an um, elderly gentleman that had a problem with one of his knees. And it must have been a serious kind of a problem because um, it constantly would cause pain. And of course, he didn't have freedom of movement uh, um, other than just having incredible pain. And, but, but you know what? When I told him to test it after I prayed, and he started to move his leg and move his knee up and down like this. But there was just a shock on his face at the realization that he couldn't make it hurt. Man, that's when you know something just happened. Praise God. Like a little lady back in the U.S. that um, she had a um, problem with her knee as well. And, and um, in fact, both of her knees and she wanted to be able to lose a little weight and just walk. And, but it would take no time as she was walking until suddenly there was enough pain that she'd have difficulty being able to, um, to walk. And she'd just have to stop walking. And so at that church, there were stairs going up and down out of the church. And I told her, I said, um, you know, I said, now, if you walked up and down those stairs, I said, um, you know, would it hurt? She said, oh, yeah. I said, okay, go walk. She went and walked. She came back. She was in pain. But when I released the life of Christ right into that area of her knees, and that pain left. Then I sent her right back to those stairs. I said, try to make it hurt. She couldn't make it hurt. She went up and down, up and down. You know, that just confirms something to your heart. There's just confidence because, you know, see, when the life of Christ is released during prayer, that's, it's instant. The majority of the things I see are instant. They happen very quickly. But there are times that receiving it's a little slower, and I've got an insight to that. I've got understanding of that area. In fact, I'll just use an example. A number of months ago, a little boy I prayed for with autism. If you know what autism is, 
you know, the, the complications can be severe in some cases to the point that you can't hardly hold a conversation with them or you can't really interact. And this child, I think, was around nine. And this child, um, you know, here's a child nine years old and a mother hadn't been able to really hold him and express love because, you know, with that problem, if it's severe enough, they, they don't like to be touched. They'll push you away, push you away. And, you know, even the teachers in this special education school, you know, constantly at different times, they would call his mother and he would, she would have to come and pick him up. He'd get, uh, get expelled from school because they had all these special needs students and he was just such a challenge that if they didn't watch him all the time, he'd end up out in the hallway. Or sometimes he would um, just, um, you know, they, well, I just couldn't interact with him very well and, and just difficult. And even his own mother there at the meeting before I prayed, you know, she'd lost concentration, probably taking care of one of her other kids, and, and he got away from her. He went under our book table, knocked everything down, and so he, he was just high maintenance. You just constantly had to keep a hand on this child. And, uh, and then to settle him down and, and such, she learned to work with him over the years. But, uh, but, you know, she never could really interact with him like a regular child, in other words. But, you know, when I released the life of Christ into his body, it was into the area of the brain. You know, it's just a healing in the brain, that's all. Sometimes we magnify life's issues to the point that we actually become part of the problem because as Christians, as believers in the body of Christ, when life's issues get into our heart and they become magnified on the inside, then you know, we have a perspective, a belief based on sometimes on the circumstances. I mean, think about it from the mother's perspective. Nine years of a child that was this extreme, you imagine what a challenge it was for her, just trying to maintain this child constantly all the time and trying to watch over him constantly all the time, the challenge it was to her heart. Then just on a personal level, the fact that she couldn't really relate to this child the same she could with other children, her other kids, or I don't know how many other children she's got, but other kids. But, um, but you know, this mother, you know, when I prayed for the child, released the anointing right in that area of his, of his brain, you know, there was change. But there wasn't the kind of change. If you looked in the natural, you'd have wondered if something really happened, or if you, you would have wondered if, if it was complete. You might think, and you know, your, your perspective of the situation, if you saw it, might be, well, he looks a little better because that's the way he looked. But this is what I told the mother I told her that, that he's healed. And I told her that I said that he's going to get better and better and better. The reason is this. When something's healed on the inside of your body, when there's a part of your brain that wasn't functioning correctly, but all of a sudden now it's whole, then there's all the electrical connections and things that take place within the brain because you've got a part function that hadn't functioned before, and all of a sudden the signals and everything it sends to the body. You, know, you see, when, when you're healed, the problem can't stay. We think backwards sometimes. We, you know, we think from this natural realm, especially in the area of healing, so many times in the body of Christ, we have the tendency to judge things from our heart. We have the tendency to judge things based upon our perspective because if everything looks right to us, then it's like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, then they're, they're whole. But I'm telling you that we've got to begin as believers in the body of Christ to see things from God's perspective. There, you see, receiving from a human doctor is based on natural knowledge. And that's the way it's supposed to work with a human doctor. Because if you go to a human doctor, you can establish relationships with your problems based upon the, whatever issues in your body. And they're going to ask questions, they're going to interact with you because they're there to help you through natural knowledge. That's the way it works. But that's not the way it works with God. 
I'm going to touch on that today. I haven't got time to go into this depth this morning, but I'm going to give some insight today about receiving, but I'm going to explain to you that receiving is about Jesus. That receiving isn't about us. Receiving is for us, but it's not about us. Just like salvation is for us, but salvation is not about us. Salvation was about Jesus Christ. He accomplished something for us that we were incapable of doing ourselves. So receiving is about him. I'm going to give some insight into that. But this little boy and this area of healing and seeing things from God's perspective and is this. You see, when, when someone's healed, the problem can't stay. They're going to get better and better and better. Just like a mother in Savannah that when we ministered this last year, and I told her the same thing. You know, she had sat for uh, almost eight days consistently coming at different times and receiving teaching of the word, and her heart opened up with understanding to the place that her daughter had some deformities and had some serious physical issues. But I told her this. I said, the anointing I release is going to stay in your child. And she believed it because her heart changed. And that child may not have looked like the child was perfect, still had the problem, but the reality was this. About three weeks later, I got an email from this, this mother through a translator, and, and so someone translated over into English for her. And, you know, the, um, the mother said this. She said her child is already, her little girl is already out of a public uh, special education school into public school. And she said we're seeing rapid changes daily. You know that little boy with autism? The mother told me this, because I told the mother, I said that he's going to get better and better and better, and that's exactly what happened, because when there's healing, the reason there's healing is because you're healed. The problem can't stay. That's exactly what was happening in this situation. That problem was just leaving because it couldn't stay. That's God's perspective. We've got to start thinking different. We've got to, we've got to let go of life's issues and life's challenges and life's problems and stop believing them and take on new beliefs in Christ to the place that our heart's fully persuaded. We don't just choose to believe something. We go beyond what we choose to believe to the place that we become fully persuaded through the work of the Holy Spirit when God's Word opens up to us where the knowledge that Word goes beyond just something intellectual, goes beyond just something we choose to believe. I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit shows you that truth, it'll become yours. And there's a change in that process. We're a different person. But you see, this mother, she... Um, this is what she told me. She said that um, the school told her this. They said, um, now her little boy is staying in school. He, in other words, he'll stay in the classroom. Before, he could end up just walking, going anywhere, just wandering. And, and now they, can, they said, we can talk to him. They can interact with him. He's healed. You know, the pastor just a few weeks ago was talking to me at that church. He was just amazed as he sat down with this little boy, held a normal conversation where this little boy told him everything about this meal that his mother made at lunch. I know you guys probably don't eat turtle, but his mother made him turtle soup. And so, um, anyway, there's some places in the U.S. that's a bit different. You know, the brother was talking about language and communication. We've got some places in the U.S. we have a hard time understanding each other. So, oh my. You go down to Louisiana, there's some Cajuns that um, it's like, what language are you speaking? It's like, it's, uh, it is, um, anyway, I think maybe um, we've possibly in the U.S. maybe murdered the English language. I'm not sure, but it's a, it's a definite possibility. But, uh, but praise God. But you know, this mother and this meal that she made and this little boy, it's just talking to this pastor, telling him everything about this meal. He was just amazed, telling me on the phone, just 
because you know what? The child is healed. The child is normal now. But and the mother can hold her child and, and show affection, interact with the, her own child now. And that little boy, though, a number she called me a number of days after because she got better and better and better to the point that, boy, she could just relate to him normally because he was healed. And, but the little boy told her this one day, and it kind of broke her heart when he told her this. But, the, but she had no idea. See, she only understood what she was going through based on the challenge of the problem. And, you know, it's a severe challenge to your heart. And so I'm sure that mother could tell you everything about having a child with autism, how, how serious it is, how hard it is, all, all the complications of it. But you know what? She had no idea what he was going through until one day that she was sitting with him and, and he, t he said, Mom, now I'm not alone. You see, even when he was with people, he still felt alone. Even with his own mom, he still felt isolated because he couldn't connect to people. I'm telling you what Jesus has accomplished for us at the cross is good. You've got to hate what the devil does. You've got to hate the evil. And you've got to hate that problem and stop magnifying life's issues in your heart and making it a big deal. I'm telling you that if we're having difficulty in any area of receiving, Jesus is not the problem. It's just us. The good news is this. We can change. We can stop limiting Jesus so he can work through us more effectively. Praise God. I know as a minister, I've taken challenges over the years. I'm not the same today as I was. I mean, there was a time going into life and death situations that I didn't used to get the results like I do today. And I may not have arrived in the area of ministry but, but you know what? I've left. I'm getting better every year. And, I'm just, and I've discovered over the years that um, every time I change, I stop limiting Jesus. He can work through me in greater measure. Praise God. You know, this week at the college, I'll, I'll go into more detail in some areas. You know, uh, possibly I'll talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and then also the area of our authority in Christ because there's, that's more than one area. And we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But, but you know, as, as Christians in the body of Christ, as believers... As ministers, that word minister means a servant. Every single one of us are a servant, whether we're called to the fivefold ministry or not. And every single one of us, Jesus can work through us. But when you're operating in authority, it involves the heart of the person that's praying and the heart of the person receiving. Two hearts are involved. But I want to begin today to talk to you about receiving in this area and talk to you and give you, begin to give you some insights about how receiving is about Jesus. We'll start with 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1, 20, talk about the promises of God. It's a very popular scripture. It tells us that all the promises are what? Yes and amen. But you know what? That's not true. You know why it's not true? I didn't quote the scripture correctly. They got it up on the board? Or it's okay. Oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I guess I could go up there if you prefer. <laughs> okay, thanks, brother. Thank you. But all the promises of God, what, the point I'm trying to make here is this. And the reason I cited and quoted was that I quoted it the most popular way that most Christians in the body of Christ quote that scripture, that all the promises of God are yes and amen, and, 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 they, and of course there's the affirmative on the positive, which is not bad, but the, the reality is this. The promises of God are not automatic. The promises of God, the part I left out was this. All the promises of God in Him are yes. In Him there are amen in the first part of that scripture. And the promises work from a position in Christ Jesus. 
The promises don't work because of us. The promises are for us. And the point I'm trying to make is this. Receiving is about Jesus, and it's a position in Him that you receive in. But see, most Christians, when it comes to life's problems and life's issues and challenging circumstances, and I know I'm talking about healing, but I'll, I'll relate to all the promises right now because the Scripture is talking about all the promises of God. And understand receiving in one area is different than another. You see, receiving in the area of healing is different than receiving in the area of finances, or receiving in the area of finances is different than receiving in the area of relationship issues. You know, there's three major areas I just mentioned there in our lives. And receiving is different in all three areas, but with God giving, it's same, the same in all three areas. But with man receiving, it is different in all three areas. So understanding receiving is important, but receiving is from a place for us, that a place that is in Christ Jesus, a position that is in Him. But you see, one of the reasons I'm just emphasizing on this in beginning is this. Most Christians try to receive. Most Christians in the body of Christ try to receive because they have a problem. It's like, duh, that makes sense, of course. we got a problem. We need help, especially if the problem is serious enough. We really need help, God. You've really got to help me. And that's our perspective sometimes. But when we do that, we relate to the problem. And we establish beliefs within the heart and the relationship that we develop with this problems. And if the problems are severe enough, or if to us they're severe enough, then we end up establishing this belief on the inside, or beliefs on the inside that establish an identity. And when an identity becomes established in our heart, in our beliefs, based upon life's issues, then what we don't realize as Christians is that we reflect the very things we believe. In other words, the example I'm trying to give you here is this. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 talks about the fact that God has created man and made man in his own image. Created he him in his own image. Now, when God created man in his own image, there's the tendency to think of the fact that, okay, well, you think fingers, you think toes, you think, okay, we kind of look like God, and so God looks like us, and we have the tendency to think from an external perspective. But you see, when the scriptures say that God created man in his own image, let me just bring it internally and say it this way, that nature and character inwardly on the inside who the person actually is as Peter said the hidden man of the heart the real person the hidden man of the heart who you are inwardly on the inside when we take on the identity of life's issues then we reflect that belief by identifying with the problem to the point that it produces an image the nature and character of the individual let's say it a different way Adam Eve when they were created you see they walked with the Lord in the cool of the day in the garden. Let me say, if you're going to have fellowship with someone, consistent fellowship, then you have fellowship over time. When you have fellowship over time, you've got something in common. Because we're not talking about forced fellowship. We're talking about the kind of real inward relationship with someone that every time you see them, think about a friend maybe you haven't seen in a year, but the kind of friend that when you get back together, it's like you've never been apart. It's like you pick right back up right where you left off. This is this intimate relationship. This means that you've, in the nature and the character of the person, you've got something in common. You just connect, you click and work together, and you can just interact together because you've got that kind of fellowship that's unique in that relationship. I'm telling you, this is what Adam and the Lord had. And Eve, this is the kind of relationship they had with him. They had something in common with him. They 
weren't lost when it come, came to words. There's intimate fellowship, intimate relationship that they had together because, you see, they were alike inwardly as they were alike externally. It was an inward thing. And so this is what was lost with the fall and sin coming in. Man's heart became distorted and man's life became about himself. The thing about sin and the thing about um, our life on this planet is the fact that if we're not careful, it can become all about us. And we can consume our heart and consume our life with self to the point that inwardly on the inside, through our belief, self becomes exalted. Because we can, we can become our own little God, so to speak, on the inside because of the judgments of our heart. We can have the kind of judgments inwardly on the inside that when we're listening, like, like your pastor got up and the things he shared today and the scriptures and the word that flowed out of his heart and what he was sharing with you, you know, you could be sitting there and hearing something, but you could be filtering it through your heart and the beliefs. And if there's judgments on the inside based upon things that his words touched off on the inside, if you have judgments where self is exalted on the inside, then you're filtering what you're hearing in your heart. And his words become distorted because you put your own interpretation to them. You hear, but you don't really hear. You're listening, but you're not really hearing. Because if self is on, becomes exalted on the inside, you hear something other than what he said. And you come to a judgment, a conclusion, based upon how you interpret his words. When self is exalted on the inside, this is why that the plan that God has for man is this. 1 Corinthians chapter, and I'm taking the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 49 says this. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Now, there's quite a bit of preceding scriptures that can, can lay some foundation in that area, but I just want to bring out that one truth right now and just emphasize this. The fact that we've borne the image of the man of dust. We were born with that image established, those beliefs, oh, and uniquely on who we are. Our cultures are different. We come from different nations, male, female, child, adult. We're all uniquely different. We've gone through different circumstances in life. Sometimes we have different mentors, different teachings, different, different influences upon our heart that have established a way of seeing life, what truth is to us. And we all live out of our hearts and who we are. And so when it comes to the choices and decisions we make in life and who we are, that's an inward choice because our heart is like a guidance system. It'll direct which way we go in life based on what truth is to us. And so, as we've borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. You see, inwardly, when you come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, on the inside, you experience a born-again experience. And when you experience a born-again experience, deep down on the inside, what changed was your spirit. Your heart didn't change. Andrew kind of says it this way, and, he, and it's kind of a blunt way of saying it, but he says, if you were stupid before you got saved, you're still stupid after you get saved, stupid. Not trying to be derogatory, maybe a little humorous, but the fact is this. Our, our mind, in other words, our heart, the beliefs, didn't necessarily change, but we do have now this, the influence of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And now change is capable of coming inwardly from the inside and changing the heart of man. You know, when I pray for people and change comes when I release the anointing and the virtue in someone's body, I'll give you an example. A young girl just prayed for it at one of the meetings, and I give many examples. In fact, I'll, I'll first give you an example overseas. I'll give you an example of when I was downtown Chicago, and I was in this um, men's group. They asked me to come, and I went down into the area that was so rough because these guys um, 
well, a lot of them are in gangs. Some of them are still in gangs, and, and uh, just a whole bunch of them getting together, and man, they're rough characters. I'm one of the few white people there. And some of them, they call this group, this Bible study, they call it the Knifing Gun Club. Nick, they nicknamed it that. That's not the official title, just nicknamed it, because you know what? They come in still packing weapons. The first guy that came up for prayer had five bullet holes in him. That's an American thing. Oh, no. <laughs> My. But, you know, and, you know, these guys are tough. You know, and some of them still packed because of the fear, because, you know what, they live on the streets there. You know, so it was so rough in that area, I kind of want to park in the car. The tires are going to be there when you come out. It's like a rough area. But, but you know, there was this one out of all that. It was powerful what I saw. It was just wonderful. But this one... Uh, man who towards the end after I prayed for every other single person there and we just went from one healing after the other after the other after the other and it was just wonderful what took place a lot of good things happened but uh, but this one this one young man he wanted to be able to um, stop smoking and so I questioned him I said do you want a cigarette right now he said yeah he said I've been waiting for this to get over because man his body desires that nicotine he can't wait to get out and light up and so you know he wants it, but you know, I just released the life of Christ right into that area of his lungs. In other words, the anointing destroys the yoke. Wham! It's just like that. And when the anointing destroys the yoke, there's an immediate change. I turned right around. It just took seconds. I turned right around and said, okay, you want a cigarette now? He said, no, I don't. That's how change comes. It's quick when it's in the body. Releasing the virtue and the life of Christ right into someone's physical body. Now change in the heart takes time because you see he may have experienced that but he doesn't understand how to do it for someone else yet that's where the disciples you see you, you become a disciple then you learn from a rabbi and Jesus was a rabbi and his disciples followed after him his disciples became just like him he chose ordinary everyday people he didn't, do, he didn't choose disciples like the other rabbis do. The other rabbis would choose the best of the best. They would choose around 15 or 16 or so, right in that age, 14, 15 or 16. They would choose a disciple, and they would choose the ones that were the most brilliant. Let me tell you, the, cho the choices they were making out of were out of people who had the complete Old Testament memorized word by word. It, they chose the best of the best because they themselves were brilliant and intelligent. Jesus chose ordinary, everyday people like fishermen who already rejected, sent back to their father to learn a trade. They, were, they weren't accepted by the other rabbis. Jesus came right along, chose them, come, follow me. That's why they dropped everything and left their father because in that culture, if you have a rabbi say, come, boy, you don't wait, you go. Because they fully understood what that meant. To be chosen was an honor. If they got moved, their dad would have moved them. Because that's an extreme honor. But you see, if you're going to become a disciple of someone, you're going to become just like them. You're going to take on their, your, their yoke, their interpretation of the scriptures. You're going to become anything they can do, you can do. And Jesus was different than any other disciple. The other, uh, the other excuse me, the other rabbis, Jesus, the other rabbis, they would teach in a cold, dead, lifeless manner. They would, to bring some type of validity into their words, they would quote some rabbi from a couple hundred years ago. But Jesus... Man, he talked like Moses, like a lawgiver. He talked as a person who had authority. And they could see the difference. You see, Jesus got results. People's physical bodies were changed. People were set free from bondages. 
powerful things happen. God has come through Christ to set us free, to make us whole in every, every way. But we're talking about receiving, and I'm just touching on the subject today, and I'm saying that receiving is about Jesus Christ. And all the promises of God are not automatic. Because if they were automatic, then you can make God responsible when you're not receiving. If they're, if they're automatic, then it's like, well, God, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you blessing me? Why aren't you healing me? Why aren't you helping me? Isn't that at times when people are being challenged with their problems and the problems are severe enough, isn't that sometimes a kind of perspective that can be within the heart of a Christian? It's like, God, where are you? Why aren't you helping me? And there's the tendency to judge based on natural circumstances and to see it according only from our perspective based on how the circumstances are, are being interpreted to us, how we see it through our five senses, what we touch, taste, smell, see, and hear. That connects us to this natural. That means our heart is making judgments on what truth is to us. But you see, God's not the problem. He's given us all things in Christ. You see, he's done his part. He's given us healing. Ability to prosper in life. Let me say it a different way. Your ability to succeed and be successful because prosperity involves more than money. Because you can have money but be a fool in your heart and it could go right through your fingers like water and not go into your future and not accomplish good in your life. Man, I had a man one time years ago said, I don't understand, he's had more money in his life he's ever had before in one year. and I think it was a quarter of a million dollars. Had a quarter of a million dollars. And, and you know, that's not a bad amount of money, but... He said it went through his fingers like water. He said, where did it go? He couldn't, and now here he is the next year, he has no idea where that money went. He can't account for it because his heart was not prepared for those finances. You try to, you see a person that's successful in life, your heart's changed. You're operating out of understanding. It's not just having something. You could have something but be a fool with what you have. Hmm. Success in life involves becoming complete on the inside with understanding. And that's just the area of finances. This relationships. And we're social creatures. God made us social. We need each other. We need people. But sometimes the greatest area of need relationally also brings the most pain sometimes, the hurts. Your, your ability to be successful in relationships and succeed in that area and have successful relationships no matter what problems other people have. Where other people can't control you because of their issues. Instead, you're capable of giving, 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 unconditional love. Being a giver like your pastor was talking about today, unconditional love, your ability to give. You can't give something if on the inside of your heart you've got other judgments, other things going on because you can't get over what's in the person. And there are issues. You can't get over their issues. You just can't give because you've got your eyes on yourself. When self becomes exalted on the inside, then we're limiting the Lord because life is about us. We're identifying with us in whatever life's issue is. And it takes on an image. Let me explain it from a, let's go to the area of healing. I'll give you an example of a person I ministered to, and it was a little lady at a meeting where it was a powerful meeting. In fact, there was a little boy there that was blind in one eye. And he was just a little fellow, I think he was about three years old, and he had a white film over that eye. And he was too shy, his mother had to stay with him there on the altar call, and so 
I bent down, I put my hand over his eye, but when I took my hand away, the mother squatted down and looked into his face, and the white film was gone. And he began to see. And he could distinguish not only just sight, but he could distinguish colors, degree of intensity of colors. There was a gentleman there with a light purple shirt, and he could tell that it was purple, but it was light purple. He could distinguish. He was healed. He was whole. The mother came and told me and showed me, and, and, uh, and she was all excited. But in that very same meeting where these kind of powerful things are happening, this little old lady came up, and this little old lady, as she walked up, I saw her problem before she opened her mouth. Because sometimes people live their problems. When you take on the identity of the problem in your beliefs on the inside, when life has challenged you enough to the point that you've become something, let me tell you about receiving real quick. Receiving is about becoming something. But when you've already become the problem, you've got a problem. Because when we take on that into the problem, inwardly on the inside, when the problem is dominating our heart, to the point that it's consumed us, to the point that it produces an image. When we identify with it to the point that we own it, we become it. And when we become it and own it, then it's reflected. It's reflected in our body language. It's reflected in the tone of our voice. It's reflected in the choice and the decisions. It's reflected in the dominant thoughts that keep coming up, the dominant thoughts that keep coming up, the dominant thoughts that come, especially when you get quiet. Like before you go to bed at night, or before you get up in the morning, those dominant thoughts that come up the feelings in, that we have and our emotions from the beliefs and things that are just coming out of us. Like, for instance, you wake up in the morning, there's a sense of dread or fear that the pastor was talking about earlier, and it's on the inside. That's coming from the condition of the heart. We've taken on the wrong beliefs, and we, it's producing an, an image on the inside, an image that's being released on the inside because we're identifying with a problem, and that problem has produced something on the inside of us to the point that it produces an image. This little lady, I could see the problem. She had another little old lady around her arm. The two of them were walking up together, and she didn't need help. But she is the kind of person that constantly has problems all of her life and establishes relationships with other people based on her problems. Other people feel sorry for her. Oh, you poor thing, and, 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 you know, and just feel sorry for her. And, and so she established a relationship with people and people that will listen to her, listen to all of her problems, and all she's talking about herself all the time and all her issues. Now, I'm, you know, it's not bad to have friends we can talk to, but continually to live the problem, what it will do to you is this. This little lady has been up for prayer many, 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 many times over the years, and she never receives and this little lady, she, when she came up and she finally opened her mouth and began to talk with her voice, it was like she was whining. She said, oh, it's been so hard. She said, oh, I've got diabetes, she said. And she said, I have to go to the doctor twice a year. And she said, and she showed me her arms. Both arms had needle marks all the way up the arms up to the elbow, needle marks. And she showed me her arms and how the needle marks on the inside. And she said how that, um, the blood ve the veins in, the, uh, in, in, the, in her arms and how they were collapsed. And you know what? In this, she was communicating the problem, talking the problem, but, but it was more than that. She'd become it. And I couldn't pray for her right away because, you see, she wasn't prepared to receive the anointing. She wasn't prepared to see the life of Christ into her body. She just wanted it. There is a difference between what you want and what you believe. If on the inside you've already established a relationship with the problem to the point that you become it, you are that on the inside.
Now, you know, all these things I'm telling you about this little lady, let me tell you something. There's no condemnation. This is just life. We're not talking about judging a person right now. We're talking about life. Life can dominate our heart if we don't learn as Christians. Proverbs 4.23 tells us, keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of your heart springs forth the issues of life. We live life right out of our heart. If we don't learn to protect and guard and keep our heart with all diligence, guard it, keep it, then you'll let anything and everything have an influence upon your heart. And the problems, what you look at and where you put your focus is where you go. And if you're looking to Jesus, then you'll become like him. As Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking to Jesus. Why? He's the author. He's the finisher of faith, is the first part of that scripture says. Our faith is about him. Faith is this. Faith is when in any area of God's word, your heart becomes fully persuaded. Not just, not just what you choose to believe. That's just the beginning of the process if you choose to believe something. That's just the beginning of the process. You choose to believe it. So, okay, that sounds good. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll choose to believe that. Yeah, that sounds great. That's just a choice. That doesn't mean my heart's persuaded yet. The word of God working in your heart, the work of the Holy Spirit. You're in the process of giving truth to the Holy Spirit. You're in the process of meditating, speaking that truth for the benefit of your heart. You're not making God do anything. Everything we're saying is for the benefit of our heart for change. As we're in the word of God and seeking truth. Especially in areas where we've been challenged in life. And we're now taking our eyes off of ourselves and we're looking to Jesus. You see, looking to Jesus, that word looking in the Greek language has the context of this. It means you're looking away from something. But you see what happens sometimes with Christians is this. We become, well, double-minded as James says. From the great original language, what it actually means is twice-hearted. And when you're twice-hearted, you have two ways of believing on the inside and you're wavering back and forth between two opinions. You're going back and forth between two opinions, two judgments, two beliefs inwardly on the inside because you're choosing to believe the Lord, but inwardly on the inside the problem's still real. It's reality to your heart and you're having difficulty letting go because it's speaking to you. It's got a hold on you because you've got it on the inside. It's in your heart. Many times we hold on to our beliefs to the very things that bring pain and hurt. We hold on to it according to what we believe about it. And it produces pain sometimes, emotional pain and hurt in our life. But you see, our ability to release what we believe, God put his spirit on the inside of us so that you don't have to do it in the flesh. It's not about you changing yourself through the arm of the flesh. We begin the process by picking up the word for practical things we do. We begin the process by persuading our heart, giving truth to the Holy Spirit, but we're looking to Jesus. When you're looking to Jesus, then you must look away from something. That means you look away from yourself. But if you don't, don't, if you don't let go of yourself, you can't let go of what you believe about yourself, then you won't look entirely to him because when you're looking to Jesus, then you're looking to take on a belief and an identity. You want to identify with freedom. You see, receiving the promise is about, is about identifying with the promises. It's not about identifying with the problem. We try to receive when we're still identifying with the problem. We've taken on the beliefs of the problem and it has a dominant influence upon us. Our heart's not prepared to receive. Just like this little lady's heart was not prepared to receive, but she wanted it. But she wasn't prepared to receive the very thing that's already been given in Christ. It's already ours. God's done his part through his son, through Jesus Christ. Jesus has been to the cross. 
but receiving? Receiving is about him. It's not about us, which means that we must let go of self, let go of the beliefs that have to do about me, how I see it, let go, and start looking to him to take on new beliefs, look into him in a very practical way. You take on new beliefs. You begin the process of your heart being persuaded to the point that it becomes fully persuaded. See, faith is this from the original language. It's when your heart becomes Greek language, your heart becomes fully persuaded. See, let me tell you the byproduct of faith. When your heart becomes fully persuaded, here's here's faith in its practical application. You really do trust God. You don't just say you do. You do. You got confidence in Him. The problem is now on the outside. It's not on the inside. Does this make sense? The problem's lost its ability to dominate your heart. It hasn't got a hold on you anymore, but it may be in your life. But it's like you can look at it, but listen now to the Holy Spirit on the inside, whereas before, if the problem dominated your heart, you'd look at the problem. It'd be speaking to you, and it's like God's not speaking because you can't hear his voice when your heart's hardened. You can't hear his voice when you've consumed your heart with an issue and you're insensitive to the Holy Spirit, even though you might hear his voice in another area of life where your heart's not hardened. But in the very area where you're being challenged, it's like he's not speaking. But the reality is this. We can't receive. It's not that he's not communicating. It's the fact that we can't receive because we've already exalted self on the inside in one area of our life and and our beliefs in our heart. Is this making sense what I'm sharing with you? Hmm. Some of you may be hearing something new in this manner, in this way. I don't know. But you see, receiving is about Jesus. When we change, we stop limiting him. And all of a sudden, we can receive what was always ours. It was ours before we were born. Hmm. This little lady I ministered to, it took me some time. I had to take a few minutes and to reach her at the level of the heart with some understanding. And as I did, her heart began to change. Now, let me tell you something. In, in an altar call situation, her heart did not completely change. What normally happens is, is that if I could reach a person, then I bring them to a place with my faith being dominant in that situation, that I can get results because with my faith being dominant, now at least their condition of their heart isn't putting up a wall where just like you're hitting a wall. Like Andrew says it this way, if, you know, through prayer. He uses this example. He says he can help you, but you at least, it's like being in a car. You at least have to take your foot off the brake so I can, if you want me to push your car and stick it in neutral, because if you don't stick it in neutral and take your foot off the brake, I'm pushing, but you've got a free will to choose. You can choose whatever you want to. And, and as ministers, we don't control people. People have free wills to choose. You can choose anything you want to choose. And Jesus will still love you. God still loves you. He hasn't stopped loving us. It's just the choices we make in life. That's all we're talking about. It doesn't mean we're a bad person. It's, you know what? It's until we gain an understanding we want and of his ways. In 1 Corinthians 4, 17, Paul the Apostle tells us that there's a way of life in Christ. Paul the Apostle sent his protege, Timothy, his son, saying, Go, teach them my ways of life in Christ is one of the things he said. There is a way of life that is in Christ. There's a way of living life to where you can bring your heart into the place where receiving begins to get easy instead of getting hard. Hmm. We're talking about the promises right now in receiving. But receiving, for some of us, can be a process because it takes time for our heart to change. And when we go through the process of change, through the word working in the heart, through the work of the Holy Spirit, change all of us suddenly. When we're a different person, when by, from within on the inside, the Spirit of God brings change. 
Man, all of a sudden, now, where it was hard, it gets easier. My, this little lady I was telling you about, you know, she'd go twice a year to a doctor to get blood work done, and she said, I'm lucky if, if once a year, she said, if he can draw some blood once a year. And she showed me her veins. She had all these needle marks because she's got to wait, heal up, go back in a couple of weeks or whatever it was, and they're going to try it again. Do you know with that little lady standing there and me sharing some of these truths with her, her heart opened up and she began to realize that she had been the problem. And now her heart changed when it came to receiving because she began the process of identifying with Jesus. And with my faith being dominant, when I released the life of Christ, do you know her out there, her friend, myself, and her got to watch her veins opened up become fat. All that blood coming in their veins and just opened right up. That'll encourage your heart when you realize, Jesus, you've never been the problem. I just simply didn't understand your ways. I was limiting you. Hmm. Make sense? My, you know, I think I'm going to stop there. I've got a lot, lot more I can share. I can probably talk longer than you can listen. But praise God. This is just the beginning of, of, the, of this area. I've got this teaching in a number of different areas. I've been teaching on me, myself, and our Jesus. I've got teaching on the area of, um, well, my latest teaching on, in this area right here where it's titled, you, you are what you believe. And I've got a lot more insight because, you see, I haven't even talked about becoming the answer. To the two blind men in Matthew 9, 27, Jesus, he said, do you believe I'm able to do this? He didn't say that to other people the same way. Like Matthew 15, he was operating the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He didn't talk to one person. But in this area of the heart and how people are believing, these two blind men... He told them, you're going to become what you believe. He said, be it according to your faith. When you look, that's old King James language. We don't talk that way anymore. But you look at it from the original language, the word be it talks about becoming something from the Greek language. And a more modern translation says it this way, become what you believe, not what you choose to believe. The belief where you've taken on the identity of the belief, you've become it on the inside. You see, their heart was tested all the way to Peter's house. When he came out of Jairus' house from raising his little girl from the dead, they were in the crowd outside. They're crying at the top of their lungs, Thou Son of David, have mercy! Thou Son of David, have mercy! And he ignored them. He let them follow him all the way to Peter's house. When he went into the house, they followed him. They came in after him. You see, he didn't make it easy for them. Then he questioned them. Isn't that interesting? Do you believe I'm able to do this? That meant, and this is Jesus. That meant the beliefs of their heart was going to make a difference. When it came to receiving, the beliefs of the heart was going to make a difference. Do you believe? Not just a choice, but he said, now become what you believe. Then he, he had his hands over their eyes and he released his life right into their eyes. And they became the very thing they were believing. Because they didn't just want something. You see, if they were half-hearted, a half-hearted person might have developed an attitude. A half-hearted person might have said, well, man, don't you care? We've been crying out, trying to get your attention. Don't you care? And their heart might have taken them a different direction in life. They might have just gave up because they got so upset over the fact that he didn't stop. But look at the condition of their heart. Blessed, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Matthew 5, 8, for they shall see God. That word to see means to perceive with the eyes of the heart. You can see it from God's perspective. If the heart's pure, if the heart isn't consumed with us, because self can exalt itself on the inside with an attitude just like that, wham. 
if our beliefs are strong enough, our judgments on the inside are strong enough, and all of a sudden we make a different choice. And you know what? Their hearts didn't do that to them. They were determined, determined on the inside. And I believe they believed if they got to Jesus, something was going to happen because when he questioned them, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said yes, and they weren't lying. I ministered a lady one time in a church. It was a life and death situation, but it wasn't so serious that she was going to die right away. She, you know, she could live for a long time more, but it potentially could take her life. And in ministering to her, I questioned her almost the same way. I said, do you believe? And, and she smiled and said yes, and I knew she was lying. Sometimes by the Spirit of God, you just know knowledge is transferred. You know something. You know things. And I knew it, but I went ahead and ministered to her. She's not receiving. Her husband's been standing there the whole time, never said a word, and in the altar call. And, you know, eventually, after just a couple of minutes, I began to reach her heart with understanding. She began to be honest. And when she began to be honest, she began to tear up. Because the reality was this. She just didn't want to resolve some serious issues of unbelief on the inside. She just wanted God to do it her way. And when she was honest, then she teared up. But you see, her husband spoke up at that moment. When she began to tear up and she was honest, he said, I've been telling her that for the longest time, but she wouldn't listen to me. Hmm, praise God. Because they, they, they know each other. Sometimes we just want God to do things our way, but there is a way of life in Christ. There's a position in Christ Jesus of receiving, and it's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about him. There's our ways. There's his ways. And his ways work. I like his ways. When we reap what we sow, it's like not fun. But when you get the results of his way, it's like, hmm, man, you know what? That's beneficial. That's good. When your heart becomes convinced that his ways work and your ways don't, that's, I believe, the beginning. That's just the beginning of a surrender that the psalm talked about today. Because the reality is this. We can say the words and ask God to do something for us, but inwardly on the, on the inside, exalt self. But it's of the heart. Humility of heart, a humbling of self inwardly on the inside, where our heart's humble. Hmm. It's not an outward appearance of humble, like, oh, poor me. No, it's on the inside. It's like outwardly you can look strong, but inwardly on the inside, it's like Jesus. I trust you more than I trust myself. You've got to come to that place in life where, well, you can call it to the coming to the end of self. A place where you've got more confidence in him than you do you, him, yourself because it's like you've fully become fully convinced. If you haven't experienced that to where you've been fully convinced on the inside, then, you know what? I'm going to pray for people today right where you're sitting. I'm going to ask you to open up your hearts to the Lord right now as I pray. I'll, I'll be glad to pray for people one-on-one, -on -one, but right now I'm going to ask you to open up your hearts to the Lord for this area because it's a choice that I may pray for you, but, but as I do... You've got a free will. You don't have to agree with this prayer. You have a free will. You can choose. You can choose the way you see it, and God will still love you. Because he is love. Better be glad he doesn't relate to us according to our sins and give us what we deserve. He is merciful. How do you trust someone that loves you unconditionally? You can trust someone that's got that kind of love for you. Just open up your heart to the Lord right now. Lord Jesus, we just give you the glory. Just thank you for this day. And just thank you for those that are here. Lord, those even now that are opening up their hearts to you. Jesus, I just give you the glory. And just thank you that, Lord, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll cause this truth to be made known to them. Revelation, truth, and understanding to their heart. 
Jesus, if they haven't inwardly come to a place where they've got more confidence in you than themselves, I ask you, Lord Jesus, by your grace to release your anointing now, virtue from, from inward on the inside of each and every person right now, an inward working of the Holy Spirit where there's a strengthening or change that comes, will you show it to them, Lord? Let them see it for themselves. You be their teacher, Holy Spirit. Your spirit of truth, you'll lead direct to God as all truth, but you're also a spirit of grace. Holy Spirit, grace, inward working of the Holy Spirit, your enabling ability, working inwardly to bring change. Open up their eyes of understanding. Open up their hearts. Let them see and perceive and see it for themselves, not just because I say so. Lord, let them see it for themselves. Holy Spirit, be their teacher. Show them. All those that are willing right now, be their teacher. Lord, we just give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for the work that will be accomplished in the hearts of your people so that, Lord, we can change and stop limiting you. You can work through in us and through us in greater measure, and we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, it's heard by the Holy Spirit. There's someone's been waiting for a confirmation, and you've been looking for, for something to be confirmed. And the, and the Lord just speaking to you and telling you that um, you, don't, you don't need an outward confirmation. You don't need an external confirmation that he's been trying to speak to you inwardly from the inside. He's, he's already been speaking and showing you things, but you've been looking from the outside. You've been looking for something to come from someone else, and I just hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, there's someone here that, um, hmm, he's speaking to you right now. It's an inward. He'll show you. He'll open up your understanding. Just trust him. Hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just give you the glory, Lord, and just thank you for great grace being released to your people this day. Thank you, Jesus. Now just release your peace, Lord, to your people, supernatural peace right now, just to guard their hearts, guard their minds from that place of peace that you hear your voice and be led by your spirit, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Peace. Jesus said, my peace I give you, not as the world giveth I give unto you. John 14, 27. He gave us his peace. Peace right now to guard your heart and guard your mind. The very two areas that need to be protected, peace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I think that's going to be very instrumental for that person the Lord is speaking to. Maybe it's more than one, but that's what I got. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just give you the glory, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Well, brother, thank you. Praise God. That's good teaching. You don't hear that very often.